You know, I real quick before I jump in, I don't I don't ever want to hear someone say that our students are the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. How awesome is that? I am blown away and so grateful to be part of a church that fosters and stirs their hearts at their age. That is, that was cool. That was unexpected. So, but hey, this is amazing to look out and see you guys here. And, and honestly, I peeked out during the, uh, during the music and, and I got a little emotional. Um, it's incredible to see all the people in this room and so many of you connected to a community and you understand the power of a group and, and man, that just stirs my heart. And so thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, you know, if you're new, if it's your first time real quick, my name is Jason. I'm our discipleship pastor. And, um, tonight's actually a, a very special edition. And so for my usual Wednesday night folks, I, I, man, I love when I get to come and spend time with y'all, but tonight's going to be a little different. I mean, I don't know if you looked around and noticed, um, it's a little bit more plump in here for a Wednesday night than usual because we have invited all of our groups to come here for this special edition of Wednesday night as we kick off what is going to be a 10 week discipleship journey called rooted. And so tonight being the official kickoff and then next week, you'll go back to your normal Wednesday nights, but I will go ahead as a shameless plug and just say, uh, if you're not in a group, look around. You're missing out, just so you know. Um, you can go to tomoka.cc slash groups. Our groups that have room are posted there. would love for you to jump in and, and join in and be a part of, um, of what's happening. Now, this study rooted, we believe discipleship happens in circles. And so um, you need to be in a group to go through rooted. Uh, so anyway, that's all for that. But tonight, as we, as we kick off this journey, as we kick off this journey, I, I want us all to start off on the same page. Um, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing this thing called rooted. I, I think it's, it's more crucial now than ever before in history for us to really understand what our role, what our purpose is as disciples and what that means for our lives. You see rooted when you're committed to it can be a real catalyst for spiritual growth, not just, and not just for your own growth, but, but a catalyst to make a difference in this world. In fact, if I could, if I could sum it up in, in one way tonight, the next 10 weeks, the next 10 weeks is, is simply this spiritual growth leads to cultural change. Spiritual growth leads to cultural change, both in your personal life and your environment that when you grow in your spiritual life, your environment around you changes. Because as Jesus comes alive in you, things can't stay the same. They won't stay the same. It's impossible. And so whether you've been walking with Jesus faithfully for years or, or maybe you just met him, there's this invitation from Jesus to join in and be a part of his mission. And that's what our hope and our intent with Rooted is. And so tonight we're going to look at what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this? What is, what is this 10-week journey going to look like, and yeah, there's a reason why you have seeds in your hand. I'll get to that in a little bit. I will explain a little better. Now, before we jump in, I, I do want to better get to know you and better get to know who I'm talking to. I don't want to make any assumptions. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I'm going to ask that you all participate in these questions. So just, you know, raise your hand if they pertain to you or if you agree with them. So 
you know, and real quick, we're all family here, right? Can we just, can we just agree to no judgment? Like if you got your hand raised and your neighbor doesn't like, it's fine. It's okay. We can, we can feel differently. So, but I'm going to need some honesty and it's church. And so if you lie in church, then it counts double. It's biblical somewhere in there. I don't know. So, okay. We're going to start out easy and remember truth, no judgment. Trust me. A show of hands. How many of you truly in your heart of hearts think pastor Joe is funny? Are you serious? Like you really like legit. I'm you're not messing with me. Okay. That, that was out of left field. Okay. Okay. You're just saying that cause he's behind me. Aren't you? Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So how many of you, how many of you, this is your first journey into joining a small group. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Can we just, yes. And I, I am so pumped for what you are going to experience through community. And I celebrate that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Now this next one, and I need, I'm going to set up with this disclaimer. If you don't raise your hand, it's okay. It's okay. Like you got to belong before you can believe nobody around you is going to judge you. It's all good. And those of you that raise your hand, please don't pounce on those that don't raise their hand. We're all in different places. How many of you believe that Jesus is Lord? Okay. A lot of us. Okay. 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 That's, that's good. And, 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 and so out of that, how many believe that because Jesus is Lord, we've got some things he's asking us to do that we're supposed to do. Okay. We're on the same page. Good. Now the last question, last question. How many of you believe that we are in the last days? However you define the last days. Okay. Okay. Quite a bit. Awesome. Well, that's helpful. And I got to just tell you, that threw me off with the Joe thing. I thought for sure there'd be like three people. So Joe, if you're listening, man, keep on trucking, man. You, you got him. Um, but not only, I guess, most agree that he is, in fact, a comedian. We, we do agree that Jesus is Lord. And because he's Lord, well, that means some things for us. That he's got some things for us to do. And, and, and yeah, it was obvious that we believe we're in the end times. Now, we can define end times in different ways, but at the end of the day, we believe we're in the end times. And so we believe that corporately, right? We believe that as a church. You could see it with all the hands raised. But what I want to dive into tonight is what does that mean for you and for me personally? Because we, we, we all agreed that, right? A lot of us agreed that, that believe that Jesus is Lord. And so we need to do what he says, right? Well, what did Jesus say to do? Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So go, make, and teach to obey. Go, make, teach to obey. You know, what he didn't say is wander around aimlessly and hope that disciples are made. Jesus was very clear about being intentional of making disciples. And that's something for all of us to do, to go make and obey. But here's where it gets tricky is how do you do that in a culture like ours? 
How do you do that in a world that seems to just be spiraling out of control? You know, last, last week, I, um, I was on the West Coast. I, uh, I get the honor of serving as a chaplain for the NTT IndyCar Series. Um, so I traveled to a number of their races. And, and the last week, we were, in, um, we were in Portland and then drove down the coast to San Francisco for Laguna Seca for the final two races. Now, being in Portland and then being in San Francisco, as you can imagine, was quite the cultural shock for me. Now, I've been there before, but that place every year seems to just gain more and more momentum of crazy. It's, it's, it's incredible because you know what? It's, what I love is, is I love getting to see the different countrysides and the different environments, but I love being able to observe people, what they value, what they find important. And by your laughs, you all understand what I'm talking about. You've heard or you've seen the craziness that is there. Well, I had a friend of mine um, who moved from Jacksonville, moved his family, young family, to Portland. And so we were catching up on pit lane and, um, and he said, you know, Jason, here in Portland, you can be anything you want to be. Anything. A man can be a woman. A woman can be a cat. A cat can be a rhino. If you want to wake up tomorrow and be an alien, you can do that. And you'll be embraced for it and you'll be championed for it. There are no rules. You can be whatever you want. Except for one. Can you guess what that is? Exactly. He said that's the one thing that is not accepted. It's the one thing that when you say it at a party or a work function, when you just say it out loud, that just stops people in their tracks. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, we went on to talk about the churches and how do you find a church? And, and he shared with me something that was very encouraging. He said, you know, churches out there, um, they visited a number and the ones that they, they settled in. He said that the thing about them is, is the people in these churches are deeply rooted in their belief in the gospel. They're passionate about their belief in the gospel. And I found that insightful because unlike Florida, unlike down here in the South, Christianity is not cultural. It isn't cool. It isn't attractive and it isn't normal. And so following Jesus in a place like Portland, Oregon or San Francisco, it can cost you something which grows roots deep. It's a culture where homosexuality is celebrated. Where weed is legal. Abortion. Oh my goodness. There were signs everywhere of keep abortion legal. And whatever you desire, pure hedonism, whatever you desire, you go do you. Live your best life. As long as it's not with Jesus. Now I got to just be honest with you. At face value, um, I think it's easy for us to hear these things and to see these things. And naturally be disgusted about a culture like that. And I got to be honest. I was disgusted out there. Things that I got to witness and see. is gross. It really was. But I think we would be really foolish. To think. That that cultural wave. Isn't headed our way here in Florida. It's coming. 
And I think it's coming a lot sooner than we may think. But are you surprised? I mean, seriously, are, are you surprised to hear about these things? Because again, show of hands, how many of you believe we're in the last days? Okay. And so if we believe that we're in the last days, what does that mean for us? Does it mean that we, we need to hide in our bunkers called churches and shame the culture and shame the people for the direction that it's headed? Does it mean that we're supposed to seal ourselves off from the world and listen to Chris Tomlin worship songs only and create a Christian subculture? Or, or does it mean now more than ever, we need to engage with culture and engage with the people around us? To better get to know them, to better show them the beauty of Jesus Christ. And look, I know I'm talking about Cali and Oregon and those are far off places, but what about here in Ormond? You know, Jesus, you can take it figurative or you can take it literally. He said before he went up, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, Ormond Beach, that's our... uh, That's our Jerusalem, right? That's our Jerusalem. That's our job to reach this town. And so according to kind of the last studies I could find, we've got a lot of work to do right in our own backyard. You know, out of the 42,000, 43,000 people that call Ormond Beach home, there are 28,110 approximately that are not connected to a local church, a Jesus-centered church. 28,110 of your family, of your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors are possibly living separated from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or even worse, they, they believe in a false gospel like Islam or a cult like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses. The need for the big C church to rise up and for the people of God is greater now than ever before. And and I, I feel like it's worth saying it is not the building's job to do something about it. Jesus never said, go and invite to church. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Because church attendance won't change the world. Spiritual growth will. Spiritual growth, discipleship, leads to cultural change. Spiritual growth, discipleship, leads to cultural change. As we're intentional about our spiritual growth, the byproduct is we change the culture. And it always comes back to a worship issue. It always comes back to our hearts. And Jesus knew that. And so that's where we're headed tonight in his word. We're going to take a look at Matthew 13. Um, It's the parable of the sower. Um, You guys are welcome to to join in on your pocket Bibles. Or of course we'll um, we'll have it up here on the screen. So Matthew 13, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables, many things. Jesus was a long-winded preacher, so Cord would be right there with him. Praise Jesus. Cord, if you're in here, 
Sorry. Many things in parables. And he said, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seeds, fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus, he goes on later in 18 to break it down for his disciples. That's what we're going to look at. So in verse 18, he says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So let me ask you real quick. Those of you that raised your hand that Jesus is Lord, do you know what you believe in? Do you understand what you believe? But let me take it another step further. Do you understand what you believe in order to explain it to somebody else? Because it says it right here. It's not enough to hear the word, but to understand the word. And so it's one thing to have our own faith and to know what we believe. But the heart is to to help others understand it as well. And, and I got to be honest with you. Look, theology, theology is a great thing. And biblical knowledge is a gift. And I love in-depth Bible study. I love engaging in deep conversations about creation and, you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, eschatology, all the other isms, premillennial, postmillennial, all of that stuff. I love engaging in those deep conversations, but let me ask you, what good is biblical depth if the people around you don't understand it? I think sometimes we get so fixated that we got to know more. We got to know more, but yet we don't apply what we already know because this book, this book wasn't written so that we could be smarter. It wasn't written for knowledge and Look, I, I probably already said some things that would get me in trouble. And I might as well keep that ball rolling. We're all friends here. But look at this. When, when you are face-to-face with Jesus, when you're face-to-face with Jesus, do you think, do you think he's more concerned about what you know or the lives you impacted and love? Well, let me say it this way. Do you think Jesus is going to be more concerned with the depth of your knowledge and insight or the seeds that you planted while you were here? Exactly. I can promise you with every fiber of my being that Jesus is more concerned about reaching people and touching lives rather than deep theological truths. Our knowledge won't save the world. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. And so he, he, he goes on in verse 20. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
Yet he has no root in himself. Hmm. Is there anyone in this room that thinks that at any point that's going to grow fruit? No. This is cultural Christianity at its finest. Cultural Christianity is merely temporary entertainment. Jesus' mission is not to fill buildings. It's to fill his kingdom. I love the church. The church is a great place. But the church isn't just about being a cool place to invite people to. The church is about a mission to join in and be a part of. And as people are being discipled, the church grows and flourishes. When we raise a culture on entertainment Christianity, it's no wonder people walk away when challenges and struggles come. It's because they've got shallow roots. And what drives the depth of our roots is obedience and application. When we go do what God is calling us to do, and we serve others how God is calling us to serve. Because again, spiritual growth leads to cultural change. You know, he he goes on for the third soil. He says, as for, for what was sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, there's something that really popped out at me that I never noticed before. A couple things about this. The number one, this is such a powerful section of scripture to show how much we need each other. Right? You can think through one flower surrounded in thorn bushes. Or you can think through an entire flower bed with a couple of weeds. Like, we need this. We need one another. I mean, you look at the garden. Adam and Eve weren't tempted with something nasty or evil. It was an apple and it was pleasing to the eye. But what they needed was others around them to smack the apple out of their hand, just like we need. And one of the greatest tactics of Satan is distraction. And we, let's be honest here, we're friends. We are easily distracted. Anyone watch the news lately? How's your 401k doing? How's your investments in retirement going? Anybody worried about these things? Because as we spend our time freaking out or consumed with the cares of the world, there's a watching world that sees the depth of our belief. Nothing reveals how rooted we are when trials come, nothing reveals the depth of our roots than when a trial comes. And so lastly, he goes on in verse 23, he says, as for what was sown on good soil, the one who hears the word and understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields a hundredfold, sixtyfold and another 30. Now I should not be the one talking about plants. I am a plant cereal killer. My house, my wife's in here and I love you, babe. And I know you're shaking your head. 
Our house is where plants come to die. Okay. (laughs) But here's what I learned in this little as I was preparing for today. You know what plants don't do? Plants don't set out to make fruit. A plant doesn't wake up every day to make fruit for you and me. A plant wakes up every day to grow. And the byproduct of that growth is the fruit we get to enjoy. That growth is their mission and the fruit it produces is the byproduct. And that's just like you and me in our walks with Jesus. That the outpouring of our discipleship, again, spiritual growth leads to cultural change. That's the fruit of our discipleship. And that hundredfold harvest, that's the byproduct of what God is doing in your life. And so look around. I don't know what are we, I'm horrible with numbers. So I'm just going to say 200 people. Maybe there's more. I, I don't know. 200 people. Or, or you know what? Better yet, what about the two, 2,000 or so that call Tomoka home? How about Jesus's math? A hundredfold, 60fold, even 30fold times 2,000 people? That 28,110 looks pretty minimal when you do Jesus's math. And that's what happens when you get on mission. You know, church, I, I want you to seriously imagine with me. Imagine with me. For those of us that call Tomoka home, imagine that we can reach Ormond Beach. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, I'm sorry. Imagine if we at Tomoka could reach Ormond Beach. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. And, and look, I got to believe it's possible. I got to believe it's possible because I believe in an all powerful God that's not done doing miracles. And I believe in the power of his church. And I believe in the power of his people when God's spirit comes alive. And through that, anything is possible. But we have to do our part. We have to do our part. And that's what Rooted is all about. That's why we're doing Rooted. And if you look over week one of Rooted, and that's what tonight's supposed to be about, you'll learn that Rooted was created to be a missional tool. To be a 10-week strategy, not just to help you grow for growth's sake, but it's about transformation, not information. And look, it's not perfect. It's not a silver bullet, but I can tell you as a pastor, I've done it three times. And each and every time, God has used it to just grow me in ways I couldn't have imagined. But there's a couple of things that you need to know going in. Number one, be committed to your group. Be committed to your group. Showing up's half the battle. Show up, be real, be prepared, and join in. Groups are a place of real relationships. And it's those relationships, like it or not, that are the tools that till the soil of your heart. Those relationships are the tools that till the soil of your heart. I have a men's group. I love my guys. And they know how to humble me. And I praise God for that. They are the ones that keep me in line and keep me on the right path. Second is be committed to rooted. 
be committed to rooted over the next two, 10 weeks, do the course, stay the course, do the homework. It's a devotional a day. Set aside that time to really dive in and see what God has for you. Because the intent of the study is to build in seven healthy spiritual rhythms into your life. Daily devotion, prayer, repentance, sacrificial generosity. Yeah, we're going to talk about money and it's going to be awesome. Serve the community, share your story, worship. Can anybody tell me they got all seven of those nailed? (laughs) Me either. We all need help in all of those areas and it's continual. And so lastly, you know, be committed to following the spirit. Be committed to following the spirit. Because you know what? God wants to do a work in you. And I got to just tell you, transformation, it's not easy. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be struggles. But yeah, there's going to be breakthrough. And it's going to be awesome. And so be open and willing to go and do what God is asking you to go and to do. True discipleship is not just growing in knowledge, it's growing in obedience. God wants to do a work in you, but he wants to do a work through you. And so, you know, in your hand, I don't know if you got them in your hand, but there's a packet of seeds. And maybe it's elementary, I don't know, but I I like the practical reminders. I need basic and I like practical And there's actually a goal for these seeds. What I'd like for you to do with these seeds is I want you to plant them. And I want you to plant them over the next 10 weeks. Cultivate them, water them, put them in sunlight. If you can, put them in a clear vase or a clear glass. Watch the roots grow deep. Let them serve as a a reminder of the depth and the growth that's happening in you. You know, when they're grown, bring your plants together. Take a picture with your groups. I would love for my email to be full of pictures of our groups and plants together. And again, may they just serve as that daily reminder of what God is doing in your life. You know, I I, got to be honest. as As I walked the streets of Santa Cruz, California... Something hit me and changed and shifted in my soul. I couldn't help but be excited. Amidst walking through cloud and cloud of weed smoke. Amidst amidst all the abortion legal signs. Amidst all the rainbow flags and guys holding hands. I couldn't help but get excited and feel inspired for the kingdom. And I got to just tell you, it's going to take a lot more than a pretty building, some cool lights and a cool guitar riff to reach a culture like that. It's going to take people that are sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be on mission. To go, to make and to teach, to obey. And we are his church. We're his people. We're his plan A. We have got an incredible hope, an incredible love, an incredible God to share with a world that is desperate for peace. And that's on us. And so through the next 10 weeks, God wants to do a work in you. And he wants to do a work through you. And I couldn't be more honored and grateful to be in this journey with you.
And so as I, um, as I wrap things up, I want to I wanna close things out a little different maybe than what we do around here. I want to invite you all to stand, um, to stand with me. Um, and, and I want to invite you just to, um, to close your eyes, bow your heads, to take a couple of deep breaths, just to take a minute. And I'm going to read some scripture, and I want you to allow that scripture to penetrate deep, to just feel it in your bones. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height and the depth, and to know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, Jesus, as we read these words that you penned through Paul, we're just reminded that we get a glimpse of just how wide, how deep, how big your love is for us. And not only us, but the culture that's all around us that is desperate for peace. God, I I thank you and praise you for the people in this room. And God, I'm calling it on your word that you would lead us through this, that over these next 10 weeks, you would be abundant in each and every life, that you would reveal yourself in new ways, in fresh ways, but even more so, God, that you would call us out to go and to make and to obey. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for using us. And thanks for gathering us together, Father. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to this 10 weeks. We'll see you soon.